catchphrase. Okay, what is it? I, I don't know. It's just an open question that we need a catchphrase. I don't think and you should. You should just pose open questions anymore. I think that that's how you get and generate conversations or open questions. If I ask a yes or no question, it's a one-word answer. So Keegan, was say good day, yes or no? I don't know. What is a day? Okay. How do you like that open open? <laughs> huh? See. All right. What is a day? Did like the day start? Did God it's constant the day to be twenty-four hours? Is that man-made? I don't know. What is God? Hey, speaking of which, who uses God in a lot of comics, we have a great guest for you today. We do, but maybe we should introduce our show. Well, no, it's not important. <laughs> I guess you're, you're not ready for this at all, are you? Not at all. Uh, all right, anyways, who am I? I am Eric Schwartz. And who am I with? Keegan Shiner. And as you can tell by our very poor opening, we are too dumb. Late to the podcast. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. You were saying the title, and I was saying what you were. You were late to the podcast. Yeah, I was late to the co- co- uh, to the podcast. You were late to the dumb comic creators podcast because of my own dumb, stupid self. Yeah, and your computer crashed twice. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Are you saying but, at any time we might lose you? Well, yeah, but I think my computer should be set now. What happened was. First time it crashed because I don't care. Uh, Let's introduce the guest. Okay. <laughs> Nobody cares about your computer. Nobody cares, Moby. Nobody. All right. Uh, special guest today with some great, great comics. Uh, Russell Nolte. Did I say your last name correct? Did. It's just about. It's about a fifty-fifty shot of people. Oh. I, I want to pronounce the the H E L T Y. You know. But well, it's, it's, it's just Nolte. It is, but like, because most of my work deals with hell and demonology, like it's fun that like my middle, uh, my mi- the middle part of my name, which is mostly silent, is like this. Phonetically, it's no healthy. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for uh, having th- me. Thanks for uh, uh, letting us read some of your great stuff. We read Igbod 1, 2, and... Also, um, Katrina hates the dead. Katrina hates the dead. All great comics. But that's not to say that you don't have other books and comics, which is to say you have tons of books and comics. Yes. And you're a USA Today bestseller. I am. Yeah, I've written, I'm in the process of writing my 20th novel. I've released eight this year. Um, I'm planning to release eight next year. The seven, this book that I'm writing right now is the seventh book in the Godsverse Chronicles, which uh, are part of Katrina Hates the Dead. Uh, my other book, my other one of my other graphic novels, Pixie Dust, and then uh, two additional novels. So there's a total of six right now, to, uh, and then there's four of the books have three stories in it. So it's 12, 13, 14. There's going to be 14. There's 14 stories right now, and there will be 17 by the time. Uh, hopefully January rolls around. So you have very little free time. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, you know, I I used to do a lot. And this year, it has taught me nothing. It's to follow the things that I am compulsed to do. Uh, so I have my own podcast called The Complete Creative. 
and my own whole website called The Complete Creative. And I am compulsed to continue to write and do stuff for that. So I, I, I'm doing some, some stuff for that. Uh, and then I'm compulsed to write. And I was only supposed to write four books this year because I, w I had a whole convention schedule. But without a convention schedule to, conventions are really hard because you are always, if you're running the schedule like I do, which is 20 to 30 shows a year, you're always either getting ready for a show, at a show, coming down from a show, or like recovering from a show. So there's not a lot of time to like look inward about what you actually want to do. You just are kind of on this treadmill. And it's a great treadmill because like you're at a show, people are buying your books, like these weird things that come out of your head. I mean, you guys read these books, like they're really weird. Uh, yeah. And people are just like, I really love these books. And, and I'm like, really? They're just so weird. And that's wonderful. <laughs> Even like, you can't believe it. <laughs> I, I almost can't because like, I mean, I, I read a lot of books. I, I read a lot of stuff. And like, I, I understand like slice of life for like friends or like th thrillers or things like these things happen in the world. And I understand how you can like ground and re resonate with them. But it always fascinates me sci-fi and fantasy and horror that like people like, like, I really love this random thing that you literally just made up out of your head and plopped down on a page. It's wonderful. But when the show stopped, I, I had to kind of have a come to Jesus moment and be like, wow, I've been doing all of this stuff since 2014, like literally 2000, the end of 2014. I started doing Kickstarter beginning of 2015. I started show, running the show circuit and I kind of have never stopped since then. And this was the wow. first time I was like sitting there going, what do I do now? And I just, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I have depression and anxiety and like, I'm like a hot mess in here. Like most creators are, but the thing that like, flushes that out is the writing and I just kept coming back to it over and over and over again and my wife my wife uh told me she said something I'm going to paraphrase it horribly and she's like well like you do all this other garbage that's not writing and like <laughs> then you just pour all of this money back into writing like what if you just didn't do this other garbage stuff that you like don't want to do and instead of fun having to like waste another 20 hours doing this stuff, you just like use that to write and then release more books and then make more money on the books. And yes, it won't be probably as much money as you can make doing consulting or any of those other things. Is that what but, you were up to? You were doing like business, more of a business? Yeah, so I do. Well, I, I have the, my company, The Complete Creative, does marketing services for authors and it does courses and it does a whole lot of other stuff. And it's good money, but like it ain't writing and it, it like pays the bills, but like it ain't writing and like it ain't coming up with stories and it's not creating. And so every year I've kind of tried to put more of the creative hat on and less of the editor, publisher, like business consultant hat on. And it's been wonderful, but the thing that's been most wonderful is just like, I'm, I, I have all of these books now and I'm like, wow, I have so many things that I've done in my career. And it's lovely to like, look back at it now, especially now that I've done like three launches this year and have put out nine new books. Uh, it's just nice to be able to sit back and go, oh my God, like, look at all this stuff that I've done. And I just made this new graphic today, which has all of my current books that are out. Yeah. And just seeing, you know, it's two a dozen books almost. I'm like, yeah. I can't believe that I made all that stuff, frankly. 
Yeah, I was going to try and list them, but it would have taken a long time. So we would have spent the um, first the last hour just reading your books and then saying, "Uh huh," <laughs> and then another one, "Uh huh." Exactly. So, I had a question. Uh, you said uh, six years ago you started your first Kickstarter. I did. And and which book was that? Was that? It was Ichabod Jones, Volume One, was the first book. So it was the the soft cover edition. I started making it in two thousand and ten, released okay. it through Viper Comics. Not happy with how it was released in two thousand eleven and twelve, and then like I got all the rights back. Viper was the one thing they did right was they gave the rights back without like me having to oh, like, do good. anything. It just like so gave it back, and I said uh, I did. It. Then that's when I started doing it myself. You started in 2010 then, making comics? I did. I, was, I, came to, I moved to LA to do movies and TV, and uh, it didn't work out very well. And yeah. uh, my manager introduced me to comics in 2010, and I hadn't read them maybe a, a decade. Um, uh, I, I read them in the 90s, and then I kind of got like all of these, it got 90s. You know, like yeah. all of them were like bigger and better and bolder and like sexier and all of these things. And I just kind of fell out of love with them. But like he handed me this stack of just like all these independent comics. Indie comics, yeah. Yeah, it was all, it was nothing from like the big two. It was no superhero stuff. It was just like crazy random things. And I just felt, I was like, I have to do this. I have to do like, like. How much does this cost to do? Like, like, what is this? Like, 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 because I was used to making movies and I made a very average movie. Um, it was very competently done. It came a web series called uh, Connections, which you can watch on YouTube. But oh, cool. like that cost me like 50 grand, like yeah. 30, 50 grand. I forget the exact number. I think it was maybe like 35 grand to make that movie. Like very small, low budget mumblecore movie. Right. And they were like, oh, you know. 10 grand maybe to make like this vault. And I was like, what? Blowing my <laughs> mind. Cause I'm like, I could make this and this looks as good as a Marvel book. Like yeah. to my at least untrained eye, I can make something that's as good as the best on the market. And like, it would cost me a third and it can be this awesome, cool, like innovative art form. And just kind of like fell in love with it then and like dove in with both with with, uh, with both feet so you, yeah so you started with Ichabod uh and it and it how it took a year for it to get published is that correct so uh what happened was I made a book called uh the wannabes uh as an eight page preview and I took it to comic-con in 2010 it was about fake superheroes that got real superpowers uh, YA, like adorable, like uh, I still love that book. In fact, it's the name of my company, Wannabe Press. Is the, oh, that's right. The logo is the Wannabe's logo, actually. Oh, cool. Um, cool. But I took it to Comic-Con, and this was back before, like, there was indie superheroes. Like, like, really, I think maybe Invincible had just started a year before, but there weren't really, like, indie superhero it's things. It's right around the time the boys started, too, right? Right. Somewhere. Yeah. So like there were a couple things, but again, like that was Robert Kirkman. That was, yeah. that was like Garth. That was not like random Russell Nolte human who like was making this. And so right. they, and everyone said like, why would I buy this from you? Why would I put this out? If like Marvel and DC are putting it out and I was devastated. So I came back and I was like, well, you know, if they're going to reject me, like I might as well give them a reason. Like, like let's just make the craziest thing that like I really, really love. And Ichabod became this sort of like, I made Ichabod, I made uh, five pages of a book called Paradise, 
and I just started shopping them around. And Ichabod was this really, really, really weird book that nobody really wanted to draw. I mean, back then we were, I was using digital webbing and, and deviant art and like six people applied to do Ichabod, like six. I mean, I don't know if you try to oh, find yeah. an artist to do a book, but like, oh, that's you all get, we do here. <laughs> you get like a thousand submissions for anything. Like you, you could do. just be like, yeah. yeah. And so I, uh, it was crazy for me to, uh, get like six submissions. And in that, like the fourth page of this came to me it was like renzo sent me the fourth page of this book uh and mm -hmm. it was like exactly as i envisioned it this one that page yeah um, and the artwork for this is fantastic and you should so every once in a while especially in these you'll get artwork that clashes with the story this one they complement each other very very well which is i guess very very fortunate this is your first like not i can say like one of these wasn't your first real comic but your first major comic endeavor yeah i uh well i come from movies and tv and so and i wanted to be a director and in directing they say once you cast your job's 80 percent done uh and so i was i knew what i wanted i what i wanted was for it to feel like you were in ichabod's head and i also uh, yeah. knew from watch from 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 reading a lot of comics and watching anime and and cartoons that like the more cartoonish you make something, the more violence and like craziness people will accept from it without getting that's grossed right. out. That's why, yeah. So that's why the the character they're they're not super realistic, but they're on the verge of being realistic, which I really liked. And yeah, it, I, yeah. Well, I I really wanted these big blue eyes. Like that's the thing that I think connected me with him because you know he's a he's a He's a mental patient right. and he's killed a bunch of people. Uh, and like, I had to connect you. I still had to connect with him. Like he's still the hero. There are comics that have come out about psych, about like, like anti-heroes who like, you're really not supposed to connect with. Like they're just like bad guys, but I really needed you to love Ichabod. Like it was essential that the design of Ichabod made you fall in love with him. Uh, even though he did all of these horrible things, and you find out these horrible things pretty close in the beginning of the book. Yeah, and he, yeah, he seems kind of innocent. That's what those the guys say to me. Like a lot of his thing is like he he's not a hero by choice. If you even call him a hero, he's a hero because something was forced upon him. Yeah, and he's still the thing I love about Ichabod, and the thing I loved exploring in the second volume is that. You know, if if the apocalypse ends, he goes back to a world where he is the villain. And like this, the tragedy of Ichabod is that yeah. this is the only place where like the world makes sense to him. Like there's nothing that makes sense to him in the world. Like, like in every place yeah. else, he's been objectively, he's been objectively cast out of society. And the thing that like he could do is just stay in this apocalypse and yet despite all that he still like wants to do the right thing even though by the end of it um by, by the end of it if it all goes as planned he goes back to being this incarcerated enemy of humanity it's tragic that's classic yeah. tragedy right there <laughs> 
he's like the Jonah of the world. I have like the comic book world in the last sense of that. He's stuck in position. He doesn't want to go in. He'd rather retreat. And people hate him because they blame him for something that's not necessarily his fault, but he's part of it. It's how I saw him personally. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to make this sort of like screwed up chosen one narrative where like I, I, a friend of mine uh, talks about like everybody, every story is a superhero story. And like every, the, the, what, whether you're using lawyer powers or dentist powers or doctor powers or comic powers, like everyone's got like a power set. And Ichabod's power set is like he is, he, he, he understands viscera. He under, he, he's like comfortable with viscera. He's comfortable with like the horrors of the world. And like, that's what makes him this like almost superhuman in this particular world. But it is what has also alienated him from everyone else. And I wrote this in a very dark time in my life. Uh, as you can imagine from like, I was 26, 25, 26. I just moved to LA. Nothing was working. I just had my shot. Like the it's shot a, was like, I get wannabes. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. got, just gone and did wannabes. And like wannabes was the shot. I like, I saved up the money. I wasn't like really working at the time uh, 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 because no one was hiring. This was like at the height of the great recession, which I guess is just going to be called the recession now based on where we are now but uh and i went down to comic-con you know i i convinced my wife to like do this eight pages of comics and like that it was gonna lead to good stuff and i came back and like not only was it rejected but it was like roundly reject like roundly to my face rejected as if like like i was like i was like insane and so this was this is like I, I felt cast off from society, like the society I wanted to be part of. I felt like, like, like I had been judged to be like that I didn't belong and didn't fit in. And like, I think that a lot of that got funneled into Ichabod in this world where like, the question that I'm asking really is, can somebody who is cast off from society, who society has said uh, is, 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 uh, not, is invalid, that can a person like that become a hero? It's great. It's a great book. It's it's like a twisted inception <laughs> type of uh, yeah. It, it really read really well and and um, it's funny and has like all the things that you kind of want from a story, um, including twists. You know, like you have a lot of good twists. Oh, thank uh, you. It's funny yeah. because those twists were put in there because I didn't know how to write comics. Like the reason why, the, the, I, I don't know why more writers don't do this, but like they don't play into like their weaknesses and their, and their strengths. So like I knew how to write movies, but yeah. like I had no idea how to write comics and I'd never written anything this long before. So I actually came up with the idea of like, maybe he's in his head, maybe he's in the apocalypse or maybe he's like killing people as yeah. a way to like, if I ever felt stuck, <laughs> I could just switch and be like, okay, now we're going to explore this part. And it became this like, like the thing that people love about Ichabod so much is that concept that I came up with as a way to like, give mask, yourself an out. <laughs> yeah. And mask just the in, in ineffectiveness of like, Hey, you know, if anyone doesn't understand what's happening here or like they question me, I'm just, I can just say, 
well, like, you know, it's supposed to feel like it's in his head. So like, yeah, stuff doesn't make sense. And like, it, it became this, this like crutch I could lead on to, I think also move the story in a way that, um, that like was, was quite a bit different than other things that were out there at the time. It's yeah. So I, I wanted to ask because I, I transitioned from screenwriting to comic book writing too. Um, sort of, I, I mean, I converted one of my screenplays to a comic book. Uh, which is a little different than what you did. Uh, what is the, what is that transition? What was that transition like for, for you from writing for TV and to writing to comic books? For it was the best transition I've ever made in writing anything. The, the thing that is works that my brain works on structure. And I think that creativity comes from structure and comics are like pure structure. You know, they are X amount of pages. They are X amount of, uh, of, of, of panels per page. And once you set the tone of like, you know, this is gonna be four issues per, per volume, that is what you have to deliver every time. You know, you don't wanna have a book that's like six, six issues one time and four the next and six the next and seven the next. You wanna have that, that sort of consistent arc and that consistency that's gonna carry through to each, to, to each chapter. You know, we, I, I even was like, okay, there's going to be two splash pages every issue. Yeah. Um, there's going to be uh, this many transitions away because I wanted people to, to know what they were getting. And so, and the great thing about comics is you know where it starts, you know where it ends. If you know where the, uh, uh, you can like literally just put page one, page 20 and work inward. Right. Um, which right. was a really nice change of pace from how I, uh, how I, I, I usually write linearly and comics mm -hmm. is the only medium that I can say, I know where it starts. I know where this issue ends and I have to make them meet in the middle and I could just make the craziest thing happen knowing exactly what was going to take place in each issue. Oh, that's cool. What, what was it like working with an artist, uh, a comic book artist for the first time? All right, so I love Renzo. We've worked together for a long time. Uh oh. <laughs> Renzo was not the most communicative human when we first started working together, to the point that after we finished the first volume, I vowed to never work with him again. Oh, wow. uh, because he would go away for many months and he would, uh, I, would I would email him. I found oh, out that wow. I was emailing, eventually I found out I was emailing like the wrong email address. Like I was emailing oh, his like one he doesn't check. Um, <laughs> plus there were a lot of brownouts around what we were doing this in Argentina. Uh, oh, yeah. We were, we were, uh, uh, we were, um, we were, uh, you know, but, but he was, he delivered a bunch of stuff. So like, it was very frustrating, but then he would come back like, three months later with like an entire issue that's just done. And I was like, I'd never seen it. I'd never seen pencil. Or maybe I'd seen <laughs> pencils, but like, I'd never seen anything else. Uh, and wow. suddenly like there were literally six months, ga six month gaps where like, I didn't see anything from him. And then I would get like an issue or an issue and a half or like, like, and it would be flawless. And yeah. it was very frustrating. Um, again, this is a decade ago. So both of us have grown as creative. And like, he's wonderful now. He, okay. you know, he responds in like less than a day. He's so eager. He's been, he, he also yeah. asked, 
for the last five years, or eight years, I guess, seven years, whenever we started, 2012 to now, basically once a year, he would email me or message me on Facebook asking me if we were going to do Ichabod again. Oh, cool. And so I, it's one thing to do a book, like to, to have a book, to like have a creator on a book or have someone draw a book for you and then they go away. That's what usually happens. Like, you know, they get their, their hired guns on a book and then like they do their own thing. And but so yeah. to have somebody keep coming back and having had responded to it so, so much over the years. And honestly, like I didn't know Renzo's work at the time. But like, it's the exact Renzo book, like his book, like Worm Boy, um, the, the aneurysm one, like, the, the, like, they're all like funny, punk rock, super gory, like hyper action adventure books. Yeah. Um, of course, like in 2010, it was a lot harder to get books in Argentina, like, or even know that Renzo was an, all I knew was he was helping, he had, he had drawn uh, 27 for Charles Soule. And Charles okay. Soule has now done Death of Wolverine and Han Solo and it's a ton of stuff for Marvel. But back then, it was, I think, his second book. He'd done one for SLG, and then he did this one. And it was so good. Like, the, the, the art was so weird, and, like, it was avant-garde, but also it felt like a comic, but it also felt like something totally different. And the washes that Renzo uses was, like, so interesting. Yeah. Um, and so much comes out of the, in, in, the, in the coloring process for him. Uh, his 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 pencils are very uh uh i don't want to say pedestrian because they're not they're very uh uh uh, uh stark they're 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 almost like sketches yeah. even in the pencil stage i know what you mean but where it's not very detailed yeah i had another book uh the, my my artist for um for Katrina Hates the Dead would literally give Marvel level pencils. And I was like, I could just print these. But for Renzo, oh. <laughs> almost like 80 or 90% of the of the of everything was brought out in the in the in the in the colors. And so yeah. I literally had to go and like just what it did that first volume was it made me trust him. After we got through like the first payment, because I now also don't pay the same that I used to before. How I used to pay is like, I would send a third of the beginning, a third of the okay. middle and a third at the end, which meant like I sent him thousands of dollars to Argentina, never meting this person, talking with him and yeah. like then disappear for months. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, you know, you hear <laughs> stories of other creators and such. And it wasn't yeah. until we went through this rigmarole like twice <laughs> but I was like, okay, he's going to deliver, unless he dies, he's going to deliver the, the stuff. And so I delivered, like, I guess, you never know, you never know. But like, <laughs> I had at least two, like, I had seen him deliver the pages and I knew what it was. So it made me really trust his process, just not like the mechanics of that process. And so when we went back to the second volume, um, and uh, we'd been friends for years on Facebook and we talked so much about all sorts of stuff that like it was we had like a friendship now that was not just like the collaborator two collaborators and yeah. so it made me really trust this second volume and now the third volume that we're working on that like it it, it uh like, like like i can just be like ah, he's gonna get it right like he's gonna he's gonna understand this like like i will just write ichabod period and then whatever the dialogue <laughs> is yeah, yeah. And uh, and he gets it every time. He gets it either exactly what I'm looking for or even better. I think there's only been two or three panels since we started working together again that I've been like, 
I don't really like that. And most of the time it's been like, so this looks like nothing? Uh, Renzo, like this looks like nothing. Like I, I, I'm, I'm giving you a note here because I know what you're going for, but I want to make sure that if this nothing doesn't look good at the end, then I can at least reference that it was nothing. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you will not be like, well, you, why is this coming about me at once? So uh, there was one, there was one uh, panel in particular, an, a, an issue, a couple of issues ago, and it was just, just feet. And it was like three characters and there were just, there was four feet total for three characters. And I was like, Renzo, like, I have no idea whose feet these are. And he's, he sends me these, like, you know, the, the pencils are like, they, they look like the thing, but like, they're, they're very, uh, they're, they're, they're sketches, very, right? mm -hmm. sort of like, yeah, they're sketch. very sparse. Yeah. They're very yeah. sparsely done. So I was like, as long as there are three different, if, as long as I can tell there are three different people's feet in this, like this looks great, but I have no idea if like this is going to work. <laughs> I'm just trusting you. And that's one of the things that I think I learned most about comics. And it, the same thing with the uh, anthologies and every comic I've done is my job as a writer is to lean, is to hire an artist or work with an artist who, uh, who I can lean into the skid with, who like I, I know their strengths, I know their weaknesses, and I can move to what they love and, and really get them invested. My job is to like get them invested. And if I can't get them invested to do the work that they need to do, then that's a me problem. That's, a, that's, a, that's on me. Uh, I need to like uh, to write something that is more in line with them that like lights them up. And yeah. it's really that teamwork of like, I have, uh, Pixie Dust is a great example. So I have this book, Pixie Dust. It's about a pixie monster hunter who's betrayed, murdered, sells her soul to the queen of the underworld that comes back from the dead to seek revenge on the king that killed her. And uh, it's drawn by my friend, Nick Torres, who loves epic fantasy and loves big bombastic things. Um, but I had drawn, I'd, I'd, I'd hired several artists before this and okay. did, none of them worked. Uh, how, how did you how, how did you hire them? Did you have like two page test or, or how many pages? I'd gotten uh, to the you... point that I knew the artists pretty much. And I was going to artists who I either knew or like had okay. done books before. So I was, I'm not, I, I mostly only work with people I know, but uh, I think I did, a, yeah, I did test pages and concept designs for a couple of like two or three other artists. And okay. um, I, it, it was not that their art wasn't good. It's just like they'd never delivered pages. And so I kind of put it away. I had this book for years until I finally mm. connected Nick uh, I, he showed me a page or he showed me something. I know Nick for years. He was one of the first collaborators that I worked with. I want to be press like he'd done. Um, uh, and then he did a story for our um, monsters and other scary shit anthology and just, and, and he, he drew our mascot. So like he's, he's an integral part of want to be press, but it was, there was, I don't remember what happened, but something clicked one day and suddenly I was like, Oh my God, like, Nick loves epic fantasy. He <laughs> loves these big bombastic, like it's totally like action adventure, like, and yeah. every page is just this huge over the top moments. And he has this way of being able to take over the top moments and like make them not feel so over the top or, or like feel like they make sense. And it's like, he's got like this very animated movie style. The science and, of the simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, 
when we connected it, I was like, oh my God, like, of course, like, of course, like this is the right artist to draw. And he did an amazing job. Ended up being a breakout book for me, uh, raised 25,000 on Kickstarter, became one of our best-selling books. And, and, but it really came down to that, like, what is the right artist to do this book? And I have another book that I'm working with an artist named Angela Odling, who does mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, detached on uh, tapas. And she's very much more into small moments, like monsters and small moments and dialogue and like, and, and like voice gags. And, and mm -hmm. like her stuff is, is not, there's not a lot of action in it. So for that script, I had to really pare down the, the action and, uh, and, 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 and play up the sort of uh, uh, comedy of just the the two people in a scene like yeah. a licorice monster and a tea towel ghost like just being together and like talking and and that was so i and so and then i have another book that i've been working on with my friend eric lervold and he's got a whole different set of of, of of things that he does and my goal is to really take what an artist is great at and what you can tell that they resonate with and yeah pair that with either my writing style if, uh, if if I'm writing something with them or do I have written something for them and now what I do mostly is I have a list of artists and I'm like god I really want to work with them on this story if I ever write it um, yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah I think it's counterintuitive to what most people do they write the script and they're like that guy's an artist I'm just gonna hire him right. and and I I think that the opposite is like I think you should spend like an outmoded way longer than you spend on the script itself, like finding the right artist because they are the ones that are going to be doing the lion's share of the work to get your vision, to make sure that they're doing the work, to make sure that they've done something before that is like the thing that you want and that they loved that thing that they did. Because sometimes people are just hired as like a, a hired gun to like do a thing and right. it's fine, but it's not the thing that lights them up. So I always, I'm interested in talking to artists about the thing that lights them up, the, the, their favorite genre, their favorite thing to do, their favorite stories that they really want to tell. And most of the work that I'm working on now is with artists and it, they came to me with a concept and I wrote the thing because that was what they, what lit them, them up inside and it, and, and it lit me up inside to do it. And, and being able to match that art style with an artist is something I, lucked into frankly on Ichabod and frankly yeah. with Katrina but it's something that has followed me for my whole career and you can kind of control it now uh, that you're more successful and you have uh, more of a resume too for the artist to take a chance on your story um, because it, it is a lot of time for them which brings me to a question where do you file fall on the uh, the battle between how much time a writer puts into a comic versus how much time uh, an artist puts into a comic? I don't think there's a battle. Um, I treat my collaborators as like the best part of the entire experience. That's them and the fans are what I'm doing for. So my job is to do everything in my power to make sure that they do their, their best work. And having even conversations like this means you are taking the artists away from doing their best work. I need them to believe that A, I believe in them, usually even more than they believe in themselves. 
that I will pay them on time, that I, that I love their work, that I want to keep working with them, that, I, that there's, there's nothing in the world that I want more than to like, to like, to, to like have this book together with them. And uh, the, my part in the writer's part of the process is very much like an editor's part of a process. And I am, my job is to keep the, the deadline and keep the schedule and keep the, and get, make sure that the writing is good enough that like they can do their best work. Make sure that they're paid on time, make sure that they are happy, make sure that they're, you know, yeah. that like we're, we're only having positive conversations. Um, I, I worry that I had a slightly negative conversation about Renzo in this con. And it means I don't know, oh, no. maybe, <laughs> maybe people think that I didn't, don't love, but like, I love Renzo. This was like yeah. 10 years ago. Like this yeah, is like a yeah. decade ago. It's and clear like, you're I, still working together and, yeah. and you guys like each other and, right. and, and we've the had, comic you know, is very successful. Right. I mean, two to, to 10 years, like people change a lot in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I think that I have different a different job. Like my job is to production manage the book. My job is to edit the book. My job is to sell the book. And my job is to have the vision for the book. And regardless of the, like the, all of the things that happen, like I created that environment. Like I created the environment for Ichabod to exist. Like Renzo would not have made Ichabod without me. Right. Like, cause I had the script, I had the idea. I'm the yeah. one who found him. He found the thing and he applied and he did, and he did, did the vast lion's share of the work, but mm -hmm. like, just like a director. And this is helpful actually, I think coming from a movies and TV, like as a director, like most of what I do is find people and sit in a chair Yeah, and like make all of the, make sure all of the other people are doing this amazing work. And you're already used to collaboration in some ways. Right. And that the, you know, the director gets the lion's share of the credit when mm -hmm. like the things go well and they get a lion's share of the blame when things go wrong, just like a quarterback. But like, you know, a quarterback is nothing without a receiver or tight end or all the other people on the team to, 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 to move the team downfield. And, uh, uh, and the, the book is nothing without the writer and the, the script and the, and the, and the ability for them to get the things done that they need to do to like make the thing be done i mean how many times do you talk to artists who like a didn't get paid for a book or like their pay is late or like they don't really vibe with the creator or any all of oh, that yeah. stuff like that all falls on the writer so like there's a lot of emotional labor work that goes into writing and creating a book not if you're doing it for the big two but then the environment yeah. but then the emotional labor is handled by the editor Right. And, um, and the editor, you're, you're basically, if you were at the big two, you're, you're wearing multiple hats, right? Because you're the editor working with the writer and you're the editor working with the artist and you're yeah, the editor you, working with the publisher. Yeah. And even if you have an editor on your book, like if you're the one paying, like you still have, are the person who has to hold it all together. Yeah you know, like the artist is, the, the, the editor is still a hired gun. The artist is still a hired gun. They can walk. They are not pot committed to your book like you are. Right. Uh, so you have to, you have to understand that as the, uh, that, that you might be only working on that book for a week, but like the emotional labor necessary to make the book happen is rests squarely on your shoulders. And as much as I love Renzo, uh, after the book is done and he's been paid, like he's not going to shows 
yeah. till like yeah. like he's it now. It's been really nice because recently we just had the book translated to uh, Spanish for sale oh, in Argentina. Cool. Oh, cool. And so he did a lot of work in that respect. But for the five... Does he go to shows there in Argentina? Uh, as far as I know, yes. I've never actually... I think they have them. a really big comic scene there. Yeah, they have, One of they the have artists a couple I of really big is, shows. Yeah, I have an Ar I'm working with an Argentinian. Yeah, it's uh, funny because I, well. uh, all of my main artists who've ever worked for Wannabe Press on Art Books... Um, are in Argentina and they live in the same area of Argentina. And I oh, did not wow, cool. intend that. Uh, just, <laughs> which which uh, area happened. is that? Is there an art school by there or just uh, random coincidence? Possibly. It's in it's Rosario in, uh, in, in, in Buenos Aires. I believe they all like oh, okay. live in that same kind of like, or at some point they all like connected and now they all kind of know each other from like their work on my books and also just growing in the, and it's interesting uh, you have uh, Katrina pulled up because uh, yeah. Juan for Gary took a wholly different tact. He got hired to do to work on uh, Star Wars when Dark Horse owned the license about issue three of this book. Oh, cool. And so, and, and, he then, and he then worked for, I believe, Avatar before finally he works for Marvel now. And he like does a ton of their books from, uh, like, he's worked for Marvel for years. He's worked yeah. on a ton of their stuff. Um, but like, yeah, this was his first book he ever did. And, and so he was hired during the production of this book? Uh, he, no, he was the art, no, he was the artist oh, was right the, after. from the beginning. But he was hard, if, uh, issue three of this book, he did a, a he drew a book called um, Star Wars Son of Dathomir. It was the Darth Maul arc that Dark Horse okay. put out that was like the only canon thing that when Disney <laughs> bought them that they brought initially to Oh, cool, um, but yeah, cool. he was working on Street Fighter concept art, I believe, before this. Um, okay. but this was his first book. And a funny story, if you scroll up a couple of pages to the, like, page, I think, seven or six or uh, up one more. Uh, yeah, that one. That one. Uh, this one? The next one down. Uh, oh, page. This one, that, yeah. that one. So funny story about working with an Argentinian artist is uh, Juan's, Juan's English is way better now. But 10 years ago or nine years ago when I found him as an artist, like it was not very good. Like I have no Spanish. So like, this is not yeah. a like con Way condemnation of him. Way better than any like, of us can do. No, like <laughs> yeah. I could not communicate with a Spanish artist in Spanish at all. So the fact that he could even communicate slightly with me is like a huge, Yeah. like if someone sent me a Spanish script, I would have no idea what to do with it. It's very um, impressive. Uh, <laughs> but uh I wrote in the first panel on this page, Barry fumbles with a TV. Now, not <laughs> only is that like, like, like colloquial, but like don't even have football down there as far as I know. So like they don't even know what a fumble is. Uh, so he drew it initially. You see where it says, uh, wait up in the first panel. He drew yeah. the, 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 the thing up in the air. Like he was throwing it. <laughs> And I was like, this panel is, per this, this page is, I mean, look at this page, like it's so dynamic. And the thing that people always tell me about this book is just how, like, how dynamic the art is and how, like, and, and how, like, like even the, the second and third panel, just like, it feels like alive. Yeah. Uh, and I was like blown, like, easily the best one uh, that like I got. And I got several, this one, I had like hundreds of people that got it. 
uh, the Ichabod, like no one got except the people that got it. But like this one was pretty easy. It was about a yeah. girl who gets sick of living during the apocalypse and just sets out to hell to kill the devil. And the only negative was <laughs> that he threw the thing in the air. And I was, and I didn't, and I, I realized at that, that I, I had to make my scripts much clearer. And it really reminded me that like, I can't use colloquial things. This is not a fun contest. Like this is not a contest to be cute. This is yeah. a blueprint to make a book and it has to be. And like it's just at, for him to read, you know, it's not for anyone else to look right. at. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You you deal a lot with hell, is that, uh, and the apocalypse, is that one of your uh, things that you're really interested in? I've only dealt with the apocalypse in these two books, but I think that I've been obsessed with religion since I was 13. Okay. Uh, and I like got confirmed. And then my mom's like, You're, my job is done. You want to do whatever you want to do. Funny story about this page is like, I did write in the script, a Danny DeVito zombie and a Danny DeVito. I, I just saw it. I just <laughs> saw it just now. Yeah, I just noticed it. So the other one is Keith Richards and then that oh, one's cool. Danny DeVito. And that was like, the, uh, that's, that's uh, that, every time I see that panel, I'm like, he really does look like Danny DeVito and Keith <laughs> yeah. Richards. It's like, yeah, exactly like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I forgot where I was on the other part of this. Um, I, I wanted to go, let's go back to uh, payment, because you mentioned how you used to pay, which is in thirds. Uh, what's your current uh, model for payment? I give them, I give artists a $500 advance up front. Uh, that should, that hopefully will do, con will get concept arts at least started and let them know that I'm going to pay them. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I pay them uh, uh, when they, every 10 pages. Okay. Now I've done five pages. Actually, this was paid um, every five pages. Okay. Um, uh, uh, and, and I believe eventually he had to. He so he he drew and colored the first the first issue, but after that he had to like he was had other duties, so he had to kind of pull back until eventually it was like the pencils. So uh, just the pencils that that he was doing by the end. Um, oh. But uh, but yeah he. Uh, he got paid every five pages. My preference is to do it every 10 and then I pay the cover when the cover is done. So my books tend mm -hmm. to be 20 page issues. So if you did 24 pages, then 12 and 12 plus then the cover, whatever the cover payment is. Um, and that is helpful because uh, A, I'm like in the hole at the beginning because like I paid the $500 and like if I only get the concept art, I only get the concept art. But um, I found that it also helps the artist artists aren't necessarily the best at budgeting and so often when you pay them a lot at one chunk like they they don't do so much work until the money runs out and then suddenly <laughs> they do a lot of work very quickly yeah. and so um it like is a way to and i've asked artists like um i've asked artists have been like like at the end of the year like i try to burn through some money so that I don't have to pay taxes on it. So I'm like, hey, can I pay you in advance for like the next? And yeah. and they've generally they say I don't. I really prefer not to because like I, I have this budgeted for like X Y time, and like I I I, I need I like that it comes in like every month or every, like at the so um, I mean I don't know if that's every artist, uh, but it has helped to be like I think that ten pages is enough pages to do in a month. So you get can get paid once a month. Like yeah, it's not a yeah. huge commitment. 
uh, you know, when it's just pencils, I think Renzo, uh, Renzo, Juan was getting me back like a five pages a week. So I was giving him like, I was like paying him once a week for the, the page. Wow, that's a big turn. That's a big turnaround. That's why he works at Marvel now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. So just do you have any advice for people that are just starting out? Because you've gone through it all, you just started out 10 years ago. So you did just start out a while ago. And I, so with experience for now, like, do you have any advice like for, I guess, both ends of the spectrum? So the most interesting part of that, of, of my career, is that I'm still talking about these books a decade later. Like I, I'm, I'm still talking about Katrina and Ichabod and I've built a seven book universe, novel universe and two graphic novels in the Godsverse. Uh, I'm gonna be doing at least three volumes of, of, of Ichabod. Like it's, 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 uh, it's, it's hard to believe that your work will stay with you for a decade. Yeah. And because of that, you really need to put the time, effort, and money in up front. Like, you want these books to be, the reason that my books, I think, rose to the top is, A, because I just went to every show. I just went to every show. I did every interview. <laughs> like, I, 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 I met every people. For five years before I released the book, I did this thing called Comic Book Sunday in LA, where I would go and, like, talk comic books with, like, a bunch of other comic professionals and movie professionals. And I met just so many people doing all of this stuff. But the other thing is, like, not to toot my own horn, but, like, they're great books like they look great like not only is the yeah. is the writing great but like the the art is like so good i mean just look at this page of art like it's so vibrant and dynamic and i mean even the even like the the panel 3 which doesn't look like much it's just it's just connie like balling up her fist like it feels like i feel something looking at that page and uh i would never have known before that like my, if someone told me 10 years later that my work would still be being, being like looked at and studied and I'd be doing interviews about it, I would tell them to get bent. I would never believe that. <laughs> um, but the more that I do it, the more I realize that like, A, the body of work is really what sells you. Like, the, the, like, like, the, like it, it's the whole body. Like people might like one story when they see a whole body of novels and like, you know, I don't think anyone could say that I'm not a writer. Like I'm not like, a, I don't have, I don't have a body of work to be considered like a, at least writer of note that someone should pay attention to. Uh, but it's really each of these books and seeing, wow, Ichabod is really good. It's very, but it's very different than Katrina. Like it, the Pixie Dust is very different than, than both of those books. And uh, and the novels are very different than those, and 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 being able to do all of those things is is uh, is, is is really important to think about. Like, but you also have to let it go at the same time because if you're like, oh my god, a decade later, this book is going to be like, and it will make you crazy. It'll make make you like, oh my god, I can never do any page. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you you don't want people to you you're very critical of yourself, right? Exactly. You and be, you're like, oh, yeah. that panel. Like, I don't want people seeing that panel or like whatever that thing is. So the other thing is, people are very forgiving. Like, I've found fans are very forgiving of like me having mistakes, 
uh, me having like inconsistencies. Uh, you know, I think I've rewritten the dialogue for both I the first Ichabod and Katrina. And like, I've just literally spent time like, cause I don't have access to the, 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 the lettered files. I just literally oh. taking like one letter and like moving it <laughs> around to like create other words or make, like I did that for years. So it's not like you can't fix things. I have artists that like re-letter their stuff all the time, but you really need to act as if like this is part of the legacy that you're making because it is like if you want to really do this then it's part of the legacy that you're making and you know i did this book this movie called connections like it's fine but like i sure as heck wish you that, could like, go back it wasn't part of the 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 the, the 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 canon of like the things that people think of me for and i yeah. i've only recently been able to even talk about it because again there's nothing wrong with that movie it is like it is, it is, it is three and a half stars. Like it is a, it is a very median thing. Uh, there's nothing, but, and I, I'm proud that at least like I hired good actors and I, we hired a team and like, we really did everything we could on our minuscule budget to like make it work. And I think that like, like no one will look at that and be like, Oh my God, look at that guy. Cause this is the yeah. thing. Someone is going to find that book that you, that you're not proud of. No matter yeah. what you do, they're going to find it and they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, that guy? And you're like, dude, I, I write for Marvel now. Like, but you made this thing? And you're like, I did like 15 years ago, but like now I'm like a, like now I'm freaking JK Rowling. And they're yeah. like, but look at you. And they're going to make an opinion on you based on the piece that they see. Whatever that piece is. Now you've scared all our listeners away. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but but the, one more no, thing, I'm then, just I, have hope. I'm just then I have hope, I promise. Uh, yeah. But like, they will, put, they will put you in a box. So I've been put in the guy who writes hell, the apocalypse box for a decade. <laughs> I've written two books about the apocalypse and I've written 20 books, not about the apocalypse. Now I do love, we were talking about hell before and like, and I, I, I'm, I, I have religious stuff like and my like crisis of faith all through my books but like they're not all apocalypse it just happened that my first two books were apocalypse books Very and those important. are the things that people know me for and those are the things that people like that I talk about in interviews usually and so I am the guy who does these things and this has happened for years when I started writing novels even now when I'm starting writing novels people are like you're a comics guy go back to writing comics mm -hmm. and like you know, they're like, this is a fantasy. This is space fantasy. Like, go back to writing about the apocalypse and, and they will put <laughs> you in the box. And the box is good because if you ever make another thing in the box, then you'll have the audience. They'll come back. Yeah. They'll be come like, back yes, to I the want box. that. Yeah. You know, like, and, and part of that is like, you know, why the last man is like Brian K. Vaughn's box. I guess maybe Saga is now, but for a decade, it was like, why the last man? And Transmetropolitan was Warren Ellis's box and, and uh, Preacher was Garth Ennis's box. And like, that's the box that they made for themselves. And that's what they'll always be known for. I don't care what Garth Ennis makes. He'll always be known as Preacher. He'll always be known for Preacher. Uh, maybe Brian K. Vaughn's saga is popular enough, but I will always know him for Why the Last Man. Like, that's the thing that I know him for. And I know he does more than that. And Why the Last Man and Saga are very different. Um, but it's good that people can think of your, you 
and think of like an a, an IP that out that that like they can talk about to somebody that it's it, you've you've gone from just like a cool creator to you should go check out Ichabod or like you should go yeah. check out the God's Verse or like you should go check out Salvagers or you should go check out uh uh um. I'm trying to think of a bunch of others and I know uh, 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 Sil uh, Silver or any of my other friends or Headlocked or you should go check out this book because it's hard for someone to go you should go check out Russell Nolte this is like what does that mean it's like <laughs> you that? should go yeah. check out Indianapolis like all right yeah. like cool if I'm ever in Indianapolis I'll go check it out but if you go dude I had this the story. best yeah. restaurant this place you should drive 50 miles out of your way to like go to this restaurant. Like that's different. And that's, that's the difference of saying like, you should go check out Russell Nolte and you should go check out Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter. Or like you got to check out like this book or you've got to check out that thing. And you've, you've, what I didn't learn early enough was like, once you have a hit, you need to double down on that hit. Like you need <laughs> to, don't fight making more of that thing that people love because that is, how you break through that is how you you like in this world of like noise if somebody is willing to to um to uh like word of mouth reference your work or refer people to you like whatever they're doing like whatever they're referring you should like try and consider making more of that thing especially if it's good enough to break through the noise of the top the problem is when you first start um a, you have no idea what a hit is. Like Ichabod Very was true. not a hit when I first started it. Uh, it wasn't, in, in, uh, but like it was the book that made money. It's like, oh, Ichabod. Then I saw Katrina and I was like, oh my God, like this thing <laughs> kills. Uh, and, uh, but then I saw Cthulhu was hard to spell and like 10 times more than Katrina. It was like, and I was like, oh my God, like this is what a hit. And so like, I didn't even really know what a hit felt like what it meant to like see someone's eyes dilate and be like, Oh my God, I have to have this now without you. You don't have to pitch it. It just like slides in somebody's hand. So you don't, part of it is like, you have to do a lot of work. You have to try a lot of things um, because you don't know what the hit's going to be. You don't know. You might know what you want to say, but you don't know what people are willing to hear from you. Yeah. And so and, and, and often, like, if you do a second book that is a bigger hit, it allows your first hit to, like, become a, a, a beloved property. Like, Ichabod would have never been more if Katrina didn't exist, if Pixidus didn't exist, if Cthulhu was hard yeah. to spell didn't exist. Like, there just wouldn't have been enough time for Ichabod to get the velocity that it needs to, like, because it's a weird book. And like, uh, I don't think that people, like, I think that a lot of people try it, A, because it's been around for a decade and B, B, because like, I've done so many other things that they like. Yeah. Uh, so they're trying, C, you're, they're trying your other stories and, and. Right. And then they're like, oh my God, what's this weird thing? Or they almost come to Ichabod last a lot of them, but then they like fall in love with it. And, and so it, having those other pieces, it allows you to, if you really love Ichabod or whatever the thing to like gain momentum for that. So yeah. I don't know if any of those things like are advice, but <laughs> um, the, I do believe, and when I was starting out, I wanted to punch people who said this, but like, you have to think of it like a career. You have to put the money in. People who say they don't have any money for like hiring an editor or like hiring a good artist, I say, 
I don't know, man. Like this is your literal career. Like this is the thing yeah. you want to do. And I what understand. What are you getting like, into it for? Yeah. Right. What, are you, also, what are you trying for? Yeah. Well, they, and they also they also say like, well, it's easy for you. I'm like. It's not easy for me. Like it, it's easier for me now because I now have a decade. But like, to to use the last of my savings to make Ichabod and Katrina, like the we're down to like a few thousand dollars in our bank, and all I had to show for it was these two friggin' books. But I had yeah. to show for like all the money that we had spent. Like that wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to like to 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 convince my wife to trust me, and then for five years to like feel like a complete failure every time I tried something like that felt like it was like I was like I, I was I, 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 I'd I'd uh, I'd lied to her and I'd like even though she was did not feel that way I felt like yeah I just like wasted all of this money like this is money we could have invested this is money we could have like <laughs> used to go on vacations all these things we could have done that wasn't easy did it work out it did. I mean, it worked out now, but it, but it okay, meant. Well, I, I just want to make yeah, sure so, everyone knows it worked yeah, out. Right, but, but, it, but it meant sacrificing at the beginning, but now for yeah. the literal rest of my life, I have those books. Like, yeah, they are the books right. that I have. And, and you make it once. You make these things once, and it feels like a sacrifice. It feels like torture. It feels horrible to watch your bank account go down and nothing coming back to like bump it up, although Kickstarter now is very helpful for that. Yeah. Um, uh, but if you can do it and just be like, I am going to make the book that I want and I'm going to make it, I'm going to spend 10 grand on this book, this four issues or five issues or whatever it is on this book. Um, and I'll do Kickstarter if I have to, and I'll do whatever. And like, it is literally the best work you can do. And you can look at it and objectively be like, I don't know if this is everyone's cup of tea, but at least this art. Like, I don't know if the, even if you're like, I don't know if the writing is good, but like this freaking art is amazing. And like, I can put it, it's like, it's hard to be objective about your writing, but like, wow, look at this art. Like yeah. the art is so, if you can have that kind of visceral reaction to the, to, 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 to at least the art, then you will have these books till you die and your ancestors will have them and everybody will have, and, and you'll be able to hopefully set yourself up for this sort of chain of success that comes when you have a few books because they all kind of build on each other. And the I'm nobody because I have one book becomes like, wow, I've got five books now. And like, look, I've got a little following and look, people are coming back to find me at shows and all of that stuff really matters. But the marketing, I, I can teach you marketing all day. I have a whole website called The Complete Creative to do it. None of it matters. None of it matters if you don't have a world-class product. Not one piece of it. Nothing matters. You will not break through and you will do yourself a disservice because you'll look, people will look at your book and be like, oh, that guy and write you off for literally ever. It's that old adage of you have to spend money to make money, basically, right? It's, well, and yes, yeah, so and it's just the nascent stages of this are about like, you know, there's a whole, like, go play, go like have a safe space, go make garbage. Like, cause you're, you're not good yet. Like maybe not, not you guys specifically, but like when you first start, you're uh, not no, good. I, I'm not good, but it's fine. Like, but you're not good and you need to like work that muscle, like whether it's yeah. writing or art yeah. or like- there, Make something shorter, right? Don't go, go for the full issue. That's kind of the advice that you see a lot. Uh, yeah, do, do it or like, just don't even worry about anything. Do one page, just like, or write it and like burn it afterwards. Whatever it is, because doing the reps, 
is yeah. going to make you a better creator. And doing the reps is important when you're ready to sell a thing. You know, people think that all I care about is the selling part of it, but like I very much like the need, we need the making part because the making yeah. part is where you make money. You know, it's been very hard for years. I've been like, okay, so from nine to two is my writing time. And it feels like that's a waste of time when I'm writing words on a page. But eventually those words become books that I sell. And then, and without that time, I literally have nothing to sell. And right. so we need to make the best stuff we possibly can. And we need to turn into our skid of our skill level. You know, my first book novel was a mid middle grade fiction. My next one was told on blog posts. My first comic book we talked about had like, like, like I literally wrote in a way for me to justify if I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of those things, all of that stuff, like, like led to this part that I can do now. I'm not going to say seamlessly or without effort, because there's always effort, but certainly with less, it takes me less effort to put together a book now and know what it's going to do than it did 10 years ago. So you really have to get very, very good uh, to have a shot now of like, not of like selling something because there's always going to be something that likes outsider art, or, but like to, to like have a shot in like breaking through to like the level, like it's got to hit a certain quality level. Uh, but there are more comics than ever before. There are more comic fans than ever before. Um, the fact that there's a thousand divisions aimed at like letting kids, helping kids read comics in Random House and Scholastic and all of these places means that they're going to grow up in the next five, 10 years and they're going to be comic fans and they're going to be looking for new stuff. Um, but really, uh, you, you just understand that the things that you put out need to be the best quality you can. And I'm not saying spend $500 a page. I'm saying they need to have a vision because that is what people reply to. Like people respond to like, this person has a vision and this whole thing came together. And again, last thing I'll say about this is I literally could not have, I would never have believed you if you told me that Ichabod was going to be a 10 year project and that I'd be going back again and again, that I'd be working with Renzo That's for crazy. a decade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like all of that stuff shows that like, if you make something great and like you can find a way to have it resonate with yourself and other people, then you can sell it forever you could sell it like you 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 have access to it for for the rest of your life and it feels like a big burden to spend now but it will not feel like a big burden in 10 years and i've not been doing this that long i've never been i've never written for marvel i've never written for dc i've never written for any company except very very small companies uh and usually they're my friends anthologies and i still have been able to make a career for myself because I never skimped on quality and I made sure I made the books that resonated with me and hopefully resonated with other people. But yeah, all of this stuff happened. All of these books that you're looking through, all novels that I've written over the last like 10 years yeah. and, uh, and, and books that I've made in the past 10 years and 10 years feels like a long time, but I promise <laughs> you it is not a long time. And when you get to that 10 year mark, what you want is to have 20 books that you're proud of. You're like, wow, I, I now have like an arsenal. Like I now have equipped myself past me, equipped present me and future me for battle. And I now can go into battle with 
20 books, 20 projects that I'm proud of. That's great. That's great. Hey, so thank you so much for coming on and telling us about your journey and our creative process and literally everything from the, the start to the finish. I think we, you were able to tell us and it's all good advice. We also had questions written down that before we even had a chance to answer, ask, you were able to answer. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. And if you guys like Ichabod or want to see more, if you head on over to russellnolte.com, you can get, you can download, uh, I send you a couple of my books for free. Uh, the first issue of Katrina Hates the Dead, the first issue of Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter, and a selection of our, uh, of, 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 of stories from our Cthulhu is Hard to Spell anthology series. Awesome. Those are, they're great books, by the way, everyone yeah. listening to this. Uh, you should definitely do that. Um, you. Do you have any, you, you said you had a Kickstarter coming up. I do. So I have, assuming that this is airing in, in sometime in, uh, in, uh, next, in next in week. Next, uh, next yeah. week. It'll be, it'll be on air 814. Cool. It's, t it's today for people listening to it. Yeah. Okay. Just, just throwing so that yes, out there. On September 1st, I have a Kickstarter starting for the second volume of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter. Um, it is the first new volume. I did a Kickstarter last last uh, last year for the fifth issue, but I have this coming out, uh, uh, and I am so proud of it. I'm so proud of the work that Ichabod, that uh, that Renzo and I have done. I'm so excited and scared because Ichabod. A lot of people have thought this book was a, a horror book. Uh, but it really is like a dark fantasy book. So it's got horror elements, but it's also, it becomes this big dark fantasy world in the second volume, right, Eric? And, and he, yes, uh, yeah. it does. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw it out. I, I, I was just thinking of Stephen King's Dark Tower and it like that, where it like sort of crosses between the two. Yeah. Between horror I, I mean, and I think that's, fantasy and no, it's the tone, like, because there's a t even the tone between the first half of the first book versus the second half is different, and then the tone between the second half or the second book is different than the first one, and it's all very, very well done. It just, it's a different, like, it's a different atmosphere each time is how I feel about it. It connects really well, though. I, yes. I really liked how it connected. It flows. Well, and yeah, so what we, what I wanted to do was, like, show you one human's journey and like as the world opened up the story has to change right like the first two issues are really him like in in this isolated area and then it breaks out and he they like they get to this place and and like you see more of the monsters and you see more of the people and then you see like the big world that like expands out so i'm 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 hoping that people follow the journey and they then they enjoy Necromonica, who's the first wizard of the apocalypse, who is the 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 the, the, the image that you're showing on the screen here, and all of the other like big I did a lot of analysis of the first volume. It was like, what did people like of this? And like what can I pull and what can I change? And and yeah. uh, I'm I'm very thank you both for saying that because it's it's a very scary time uh, because it's been 10 years since I wrote that first volume and to see if people connect with this very odd turn in a very odd book. The nice thing it, is, the book's always been odd. I have to say, it goes in a in a good direction for people listening. If you've read the first one, or you're gonna read the first one, the second one is worth it. So 
It goes Thank in a you. good direction. Yeah. And it leads to a thing, to another thing, which uh, is an open-ended thing. So <laughs> we're excited for the third one. Yes, wow, and I will Eric. tell you, uh, to answer the question <laughs> that we, me and Eric talked about before, uh, the second volume ends on a thing, but I'm in the middle of production of volume three. We finished issue 11 already. Um, and if this book goes well, if the Kickstarter goes well, I've already told Renzo that if it hits a certain number, I am going to green light volume four, which will be the end of this like big arc that I've kind of been 10 years in the making. Nice. No pressure, listeners. <laughs> just <laughs> it, make sure it's fun. Just everyone yeah. go get it. It's like, it, you know, yeah. the, the Ichabod only exists because Ichabod, the new Ichabod only exists because fans have told me that they wanted it. It only, well, you've only done volume two and three because fans proved they wanted it by buying it last year. And so assuming that they keep buying it, I will keep making it. And so all you got to do is continue to buy it and uh, and show me that like you really love it as much as I love it. And uh, I'm very happy to spend all of the money that I make from this campaign <laughs> on more Ichabod. Very, very, very happy to do it. Nothing would make me happier than being able to to wrap up this story and hopefully tell more stories in the future. Well, thanks for coming on and we appreciate your time and, and energy and knowledge and uh, we hope everyone checks your stuff out. Awesome, thank you for having me. Thank you. If you want to, we can. No, we don't need to, it's fine. I don't think we need to redo the intro. No. All right. Still need a catchphrase. What next? Yeah. But, I, I'll think of one. But if you want to just leave the intro as is, Let's you were late. Choices. You did screw up introducing the guest. <laughs> you, you were a mess when we started. The good news is, our guests did all the talking today, so you had yeah. time to wake up. I, I feel like we do want to thank Russell Nolte yeah. for coming on the show. He was very informative, very like a good success story, I think, yeah. right? Because he kind of just started from with no knowledge of comics. He even admitted that he didn't read comics uh, when he when he first started, and he went from that to writing tons of books here um so i think i think he's like a good like following some of that is like good for people to to listen to especially um working with artists and different pay models i, I found especially interesting mm -hmm. he's also just kind of like he had a, a lot of advice that i thought was solid advice which was pretty much just be i i i'll sum it up as be only present work that you can produce out be proud to present because although he said like he says he's proud of connections i kind of read that he wasn't as proud of it as his other stuff you know there's a problem with that for me and to be honest with you i think it's my problem with that statement is that you are only as good as you are experienced and a lot of what he's gained as an individual uh like artist as an artist from writing all these books is experience and knowledge of what makes a comic good and he, and storytelling good. And he's only done that by making stuff. So in some ways, I think that warning of like, make sure you make good stuff is kind of 
it's very hard to follow because you can only make good stuff if you have made stuff before that sucks and learn from it, you know? Uh, so like fail, failure is the best teacher is really a good idiom. Is idiom the right word? I think it's the right word. Yeah, or, else, or else we fail with the incorrect idiom. What? Uh, so if it's not the correct, if the idiom's not the correct word, we fail from that and we learn from it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Which makes it the perfect idiom, yet again. Exactly. Are you looking at your phone? You're really distracting me. I'm looking at my drink because I'm thirsty, but I'm trying not to drink too much to annoy you. Why are you looking at your drink like it's a phone? Because I want it so badly. Like you're, water. you're texting somebody, texting the bubbles inside. Nope. Oh, you have your phone. All right. I, oh, I, I have, you know I have my phone. So I have the right internet connection. Three, two, one, hand check. You can't do it because you're drinking a soda right now. See, what our podcast <laughs> listeners are missing is this great banter that you can only really truly understand if you watch our Zoom uh, video, which is right now, it's completely free. Just go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash dumbcomiccreators. Uh, all of our episodes are free, so you can just follow along as we talk about comics and it's a visual medium, so uh, it can be helpful. We, we try and make this as podcast friendly as we can. That was the original intent. But uh, I, I think videos are kind of um, more useful sometimes for talking about the uh, actual process of making yeah. comics. Well, I mean, comics are kind of a visual thing, so... I've said that people. three times now, Eric. Thank you. I, I'm just... Okay, fine. <laughs> comics are not a visual thing. You should be able to speak about them and just understand... How, how dare you? How dare you just contradict me for no reason? Well, you're the one that told me I had to contradict you because you said you already three times. I was following your directions. I'm just saying, don't copy me. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you're not going to say anything now. He's uh, writing, a, good. I, I'm he's writing, writing a sad down. list. I'm writing. Oh, wait, no, actually, I'm playing the world's smallest violin. Oh, I thought you were writing a sad list of things oh, that you're okay. sad about because you're so sad. I'm sad that I don't have a visual representation okay so normally uh after our interview we uh will launch into something about making comics um i'm editing week, right now you're still editing and mm -hmm. i'm i'm in the process of doing colors for death maze number two uh but i'm not quite ready to show that off uh so the and because our interview is pretty long this week we're going to skip right to reviews and because our interview was so long we're going to do a review of last week's guests comics which we're very excited to do because they're awesome um so let's just well why don't we just do finger bang number one uh by jer and oh man what are their names one second i got it i got it jer gordon and ben peroni or Perone. Ben Perone, E, Ben Peroni, and Jared Gordon. Yep. They both sound like Green Lantern names. I actually thought they sound more like Italian foods. Italian names? They're Italian foods. Italian food. I'm going to eat a Ben Peroni. I'm going to eat a Ben Peroni. 
I'm a no. That's that's uh, that's cultural appropriation. That's yeah. stereotyping. Hey, I'm one sixteenth Italian. It's all right. Or about what sixteenth that is? Whichever sixteenth that is. Okay, so a sixteenth of what we just said was okay. Uh, all right, so finger bang number one. Um, did you read this comic? I did read this comic. I, I did read this comic too. What did you think? I thought it was a fantastic comic. I thought it was legitimately one of the funniest comics I've read. Yeah. Um, I thought that like it like it like it was a comic that like I felt like the two of us like just talk. It was like it felt like like just talking to them. The banter of those two really reflected it. I thought it was really good. It is. And the, you know, for this review, I kind of went back and I was reading. It reminds me of really early South Park. Um, and especially hearing the story of South Park and how they like had to make everything by hand with construction paper. And they were childhood friends and or not childhood friends, but they were college friends and they like kind of had a similar sensibility and just kind of threw it together the best they could. That's what this uh, that's what this comic reminds me of. It's like their humor, their voice. It's very original, and it's completely hilarious. Yeah, I also think though too that like they're able to insert just good jokes, like just random jokes. There, can you scroll back up really quickly? Uh, yeah. Uh, like one of the towers, you scroll up a little bit more. Is a penis. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Right next. If you yep. Stuff like that. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, Eric, on the on the first page is a splash page of Terrytown, mm -hmm. and it's got a lot of buildings that he's he's built up. And there's like little Indian teepees. There's Donnie's discount dildos. There's a statue of somebody with a hat. There's Wacy's. Uh, a place called the Eglu Dome. Like everything on this page is a bit, basically, right? Like he's something yeah, he, funny. They're able to like throw, I guess, a lot of things on the wall, on the wall to it sticks, and more things stick than you would expect. So, what is the story? Let's let's go through our traditional review here. Um, uh, the story of finger bang number one. So. Figure main number one is about um, a character, uh, jo who, Joby Jacobs. Joby Jacobs, who uh, finds a mysterious uh, um, bong, and when he smokes it up, a genie who looks like Bono uh, comes out and grants him three wishes, and so he wishes for the power to have a finger banging, and his second wish, which is. Which Finger banging is what in this case? He can fire things out of his fingers. So like he because fire lasers. We don't, what we don't want is our listeners to go Google finger banging. No. And so that that will give you bad results. Yeah, it's like finger gun. So it's like finger gun. So like instead of like just firing bullets, it fires flowers, it fires remote control when he needs it. It fires like will be cushions. It fires whatever he needs at that time. And it's just go, and it's like he's doing a lot of stuff with that. Yeah, so he can he can say uh, glug 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 with his uh, and and his fingers will shoot beer, for example. For those that are watching, that's literally what's happening. He like creates toast, 
stuff like that. Yeah, okay. So, and then what does he do with these powers? So he becomes a superhero with these powers. Um, in, the main, in the meantime, the Ku Klux Klan takes over the news station, right? Because they win a lottery of $4.2 billion. So they're able yeah. to use that and go from there. Okay, and then they take hostages, right? Yes. And so just kind of the first, like, it's, if you say it simply, it's the basic person gets superpowers, person gets superpowers to rescue person or to rescue people, fighting ensues, people are happy, blah, 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 blah. Nothing that's special. But, like, it's just a very well done comedy comic and hits a lot of, like, like well, well done spots. So let's let's talk about the art then. Okay. So the art uh, clearly like wasn't done. I don't mean this in a bad way. It wasn't done by a professional artist. It was done by like a fan, and but it was done that way that reflects the comics so well. So like the fact I actually kind of disagree. I, I have to disagree with the professional comics. Okay. Uh, because I could, I don't know if I could draw the same character repeatedly like this. Oh, he's much, much better than me. So I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's much, much better than me. So what do you mean by professional artist? So if you, let's say, for example, if I were to pull out a random Marvel comic or a random DC comic or just a random other comic, yeah. most of them have kind of have a style that's based on comics that like so so i like i'm just gonna i'm gonna challenge that a bit because this is like a good thing to talk about uh when it comes to art and people have specific expectations of comic book art that it has to look like marvel or dc but um so if you went back to like the 80s and there's like pat benahar benahar is that his name yeah neil diamond there's The Who, there's um, Michael Jackson, there's pop stars like Madonna. Would you say that the, would you say that the rising punk rock scene at the time was not music because they only used three chords? Because let, I- Let me rephrase them. The artwork is not the zeitgeist of today's art and comics only because different. because that that type of music really changed the music industry at the time i'm not gonna say i if, if we come back here five years from now i could be totally eating my words i could be completely wrong i i'm just saying i was wrong and i'll admit i was wrong time. but i'm saying at this time while we're recording it the no, artwork, all, all i'm arguing is that you didn't say it was professionally art i'm saying that it wasn't professionally artist in the way that it's but, but okay. you, see, also, you see, you see it I'm, it's a very, like, I'm not saying it's not good artwork for what it is. I'm saying that it's not comic book artwork, which is what a specific type of artwork it is. The same That's way exactly that manga, what I'm challenging. That's exactly yeah. what I'm challenging. Well, I'm saying, I just, I'm saying I, I disagree with what you're saying. That like, you're saying that if uh, I drew a picture of a smiley face, I just say it's comic art. I disagree with that because manga art also has its own style and has to stick with that. You have over strong faces. You have those giant eyes. That's like saying that eyes. only, only like daytime cartoons are cartoons, and like things that are on Adult Swim, like that sketchy, 
uh, I mean, I, I hate to call it, but like there's punk styles say, that are not mainstream styles of art. They're very unique. They're original to the author. They can't really be replicated. Uh, even South Park, like who did that before those guys? Not many people. What right? I'm saying though is that like, um, usually like if I were, if you were to take something like a random thing, I can usually identify what type of medium it is based on like specific characteristics. Like, so like, I, if you were to show me a picture, I can say this was a painting, a photograph or a comic. And I'm saying like, usually like those fall into certain alignments and that's usually how like they're just done. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I do think that punk rock was a great thing for the eighties. And I think it was one of the best things that ever happened to the music industry. Uh, but it wasn't at the time the zeitgeist. It wasn't okay. like a particular part Okay, so that means it's not good? No, I just said it was, that wasn't what I meant at all. You literally heard what I said but, and so, then disagreed. So, so why did you say that it wasn't professional? I said it wasn't professional and that like I wouldn't look at this and think this was a Marvel comic. It's what I mean by that. Well, that not that it's not good. By professional, I mean like it wasn't dozen by like somebody. Who I thought this comic was very professional. Is my point. I do. I I'm not saying it wasn't like. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a comic that you would buy at a comic book store. It is that good of a comic. I'm saying it wasn't. Would be a comic that you would think was done by a major comic. You mean it wasn't done by Marvel? Wasn't done by DC? That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, but so then don't say. Professional. Don't use the term professional. It's not what I meant with saying it wasn't professional. I'm saying that it wasn't. I would not expect this. Like, if you were to turn this into a cartoon right away, I, Disney would not be the one that done it. They would have. They would redo it. Not, which I think would be for the worst. Honestly, like Disney were to redo this. Again, that's I think it not exactly a, true because anytime they did Charlie Brown cartoons with an updated style, it failed miserably. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm and saying. Charlie I, Brown is not like a, prof, you wouldn't that, call that professional. Exactly. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying though, too. Like, they, like, if they were to, like, Disney were to change the art style of this, I think it would make it worse. Right. Okay. So uh, all I'm trying to say is this, this was very professional art and it's not done in the traditional style. And that's what I meant books. to say more by not okay. done by professionals, not traditional art. But in in a way, it's very punk rock. <laughs> I have yes. to say, it's very punk. It's very alternative, um, and it it would fit like again, it would fit right into an Adult Swim type of program, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so beyond whether or not it's professional or not, uh, what about the art? <laughs> Um, I say it's like they're able to insert a lot of gags into it and do a lot of detail, uh, a surprising large amount of detail with their space. Like, so for example, um, they're able to show like in the background, they have very detailed backgrounds, which is surprising uh, for a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of the towns have good background, have very detailed backgrounds. It's one thing they don't they don't really care about perspective in this too much, um, which gives them a lot of leeway to just kind of add detail to the background because everything can kind of be the same size if they want it to. I mean, uh, there is 
some perspective, but and and there's definitely angles of the scenes that change in like a professional. I'm gonna keep using the word professional today. Okay. In a pleasant way, um, the angle there's it's Thanks, not static. Leon. Yeah, it's a very um, well done in that way. But but I would say that it's they say comedies in the wide shot. Um, that's what this comic is. It's a lot of wide shots of the scenes. And in doing the wide shot, you can have things in the background that are also funny. And that really works well in the comic medium where uh, something's happening in the foreground and you can still pay attention to what's happening in the background. Whereas in like a movie or, or a cartoon, if something is also happening in the background, you're gonna miss it because yeah, it's so can't. fast. Yeah. Like, that's why, for example, like with uh, Airplane, if they have a gag in the forefront, they will have nothing in the background. If something's happening in the background, nothing will be happening in the forefront because your eye can only be drawn to one thing for a certain amount of time and do that. So that's why, for example, um, I hate the... So going back to movies, uh, uh, Suicide Squad, I hate the introduction of all the characters there because yeah. they put stuff in the forefront and the backfront at the same time. So you don't actually get to see any of the details about the person and they have to reintroduce like every single character three times because they do it so poorly. Whereas in this comic, I'd say this comic takes about three times as long to read as mm -hmm. there are pages. So uh, in traditional comic, you, you might get through that comic uh, one minute per page if you're slow. Uh, in this comic, it might be three minutes per page because you, you have to take time to like read every little thing that's happening in the panel and kind of laugh at the different gags. Um, and, that, and that was a very pleasant experience. Yeah. Uh, another thing about the art I want to mention is that it's all done in- I think you want to mention that was professional. That's what I want to hear. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, so you're allowed to say, but I'm not? Thanks, I'm not Leon. allowing you to say anything. Uh, so the, the art is drawn with a marker um, and colored with colored, mar colored- Colored pencils. Colored pencils, crayons, and markers, I think, mm -hmm. um, which gives it a really, 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 really childish look. <laughs> it gives like a very home, like, this looks like it was done at someone's home, which, again, not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean it's not professionally done, but it's just done differently. Well, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think, I didn't know how old our guests last week were gonna be when they signed on. <laughs> because this, well, when I first read it, when I first started reading, I was like, oh man, a kid made this, we're in trouble, right? <laughs> and, uh, but as you read, the uh, the writing is so adult that, yeah, it, and this... complex. There's some complex stories here. And it has good story structures. So the art um, is almost a juxtaposition to what the writing is, which is cool. Yep. Anything uh, else about the art? Uh, it's one of those comics that if you reread a second time, you'll notice things that you didn't realize at first in the first time of the art. That's true. Yeah. So, I, I, so as you were going saying, like it takes more than meant to read. It's actually one of those books that if you reread it, you're like, oh, I didn't realize, I didn't see that there. Uh, so, for example, in a not one of the first books, I reread one of the other ones, and yeah. he clearly had an erection the entire time. And they, 
and I, you don't realize that until like later when they talk about it. Yeah, and it's one of those. That's one of those things that you know keep paying off when you buy this comic. Um, I, I do have one more thing to say about the art. It's cool that there's so much texture on the page because you're reading these when they're zoomed in digitally um, or, or like looking at them close and you can like see each stroke of the marker. It, um, that was, it looks like it was done by hand, which it was, and not on a computer at all, which also is like what which, I also meant by it, not professionally done. And it, like, took, this person, it made it look more art, art, more like art and less like yeah. computer. It looks generated. more like old school art than, than current art is what I pro is what I meant by when I said not professionally done. Because if you look at like the original, well, if you look at the original um like uh, Green Lantern for example, that yeah. was completely hand drawn and stuff, and you could see like it was much more reminiscent of this than the than the current Green Lantern is because the current Green Lantern is all done by computer. And I, you know, I almost wonder if we're also so into this comic because of that, because we can see how much work went into this, because it was clearly hand drawn and like each stroke is is visible. Like, just coloring in this couch must have taken a long time. You know, you can tell that, like all the places where you had to color that in. So, anyway, uh, that's about. That's about all that we should talk about the art, I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the color. Uh, color was done very, very well. Uh, even though it was done, again, as I said, by Marcus and Color Pencil, I thought that it actually like really had good distinctions, really let every character know where it was, and wasn't done in such a way that I thought it blinded my eyes, but done in such a way that it, again, rem reminded me of South Park in a good way. Yeah, there's a lot of negative space, um, and I think that the colors don't clash too much. Like the artist definitely has a good grasp of color theory, and knows when to use, like what colors to use next to each other to make certain things pop um, as they need to. Um, but what I really liked was how much negative, like how much white on the page there is when it needs to be. Um, because you can overcolor, you know, these things and it can look really bad. So, uh, what about the lettering? Uh, uh, lettering was actually my favorite thing. It was all done by hand. Um, and it was written in such a way that each one was important when it needed to be, and each one wasn't when it didn't. So, the fact that they did it all by hand, I think, gave it a much more oomph than it would have had, they would have had if it was done just by typed up. Yeah, going back to like why this comic is kind of special in that it's hand drawn and hand colored, uh, the handwriting is also very, it, like, uh, it is also very part of this <laughs> to me. And uh, unusual to comics is that it's all done in lowercase, which feels very, again, kind of punk rock where it's like a big Not F, it's F U to like the comic book industry. Um, but it completely works and like you end up wondering why you ever preferred uppercase in the first place. Uh, but yeah, um, and yeah, so I, I really like that it's hand, handwritten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I guess about the je ne sais quoi, the French oh, term. French term? The French term. The French term? It's a French term, by the way. 
What is it for you, Eric? Um, I just thought it was like honestly the gags. Like it was, again, it was airplane. It was South Park. It was, um, scary movie. It, it was um scary movie. It was, uh, what's it called? The Meet the Spartans. That was actually funny. So we mentioned this in the interview last week. I think it's really, it was like watching an improv show uh, where there's a scene happening with the main character, but everyone in the cast is in the background adding like scene painting, you know? And and everyone has their own unique like way of filling the scene in. And he really did that with all the characters in these panels. Um, because you have a main character, but then like every background character has something that they're doing and something that they're struggling with in a comedic way, or there's a bit in the background that's that's funny. But there's not just one bit; there's like 50 bits per panel, you know. So, like for example, in this panel alone, there's like a cubby with filled with weapons in the background, and uh, KKK members trying to do yoga um, and exercising on a, a stationary bike mm -hmm. and do and getting their robe caught in the the stair climb. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that like they're all doing like they don't change at all like they're all doing their yoga and the, they're all <laughs> their like white outfits stuff like that. Yeah, and they have hairy legs under these robes. It's just a. Uh, and that that's like so many bits and that's just one panel of this comic, you know, or one. Yeah, it's not even a whole page. It's just one panel. So anyway, uh, yeah, definitely the bits and definitely the um, the writing of this comic book. Well, it really just goes hand in hand with the art, yeah. to be honest. It goes, yeah, it, like these guys that they've been friends since what? Six, they said sixth grade. So yeah. and that shows that like they really know each other and that they really work well together. So like, even though one is heavily the official writer, one's the official artist, I have a feeling that's not 100% true. I have a feeling a lot goes or both put a lot into it. Well, and they said one of them does stick figures and the other one <laughs> fills it yeah. in. So and they both kind of write. So I'm sure I'm sure it's completely collaborative. Yeah. And hopefully the fame and fortune never gets the better of their friendship. Yeah. Hopefully they don't, uh, you know, uh, Yoko Ono this and exactly. one dishes out. Yeah. So like for example, like when I make it big in my comics, you're fucking done. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for using that word on our podcast. Done. Which we no. <laughs> you. Dude, I try and make this family friendly. I'm not kidding. I know. I know. That's my fault. Please edit that out. But of course, we just had a comic on here called Finger Band. <laughs> <laughs> About guy, a guy who gets high to use his superpower. So, yeah. So, we're going to say PG 13, parents. PG 13. That's our one swear. We will not have another one. Um, Eric, this has been an episode. Yeah, it has it's been. It's been a long episode. I know. It makes one think. Do we want to think about it right now? That we yeah, need a catchphrase. We, we do need a catchphrase. Hey, if uh, you're listening to this and you want to watch it, uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash dumbcomiccreators. Uh, watching these episodes is free. They're unlisted on YouTube. You won't find them. You have to go to our Patreon. 
just suggesting that you support us on there. But you don't have to. You can just watch these episodes if you want to. But you could just throw a dollar or, or, or something. And you only pay per comment. Uh, Eric signed up this week. Right, Eric? Yeah, it was worth it. I got so many perks. Did you? Yeah? Yeah. What were they? Well, I got the good warm feeling that I'm knowing he's helping out the two comic creators <laughs> create comics. You're and one he, of those two. It's I'm like those two. <laughs> it's like taking a dollar out of one pocket and putting half a dollar into the other pocket. Yeah, except I took the dollar, <laughs> tore it in half, gave myself one half, and I'm giving you the other half. And then you took you took that those two pieces and you broke off uh, like a third or twenty percent for Patreon to use yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, we that, completely uh, appreciate your support. <laughs> and for all two of you who are still listening at this two hours, we really appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, feel free to email us or reach out on Instagram. We're open to reviewing or answering questions at any time. So, uh, with that, I have to say, it's been fun. Uh, Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.